Alrighty, well let's get going. Who is blessed to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Luke chapter 24. I'm going to start uh, reading a few verses in that chapter. And I'm going to pray before I do that. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture, God. We ask that you speak powerfully into our church tonight, God, that you will make us a a people marked by the word and marked by the spirit, God, that there'll be no separation between those things and that you will grow us into a mature community that is rooted and grounded in the word of God. We thank you, Father, for what you're accomplishing here in this church, in this community, week after week, God, taking us on a journey, and we want to follow you well. So speak, God, and we're here to listen to anything that you'd have to communicate to us in this time and in this space, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been uh, on this topic of uh, a real Jesus. We need a real Jesus for the life and the circumstances that we're all facing, and we want to see him and know him and touch him and see him, and we want an incarnational Christ that is with us and who is alive. Uh, he's not a methodology. He's not a set of rituals. He's not a, uh, a moral code. He is a person, and we want to recognize and know the real Jesus, and uh, a few weeks ago, I preached out of Luke 24 and how Jesus revealed himself to the disciples through, through the breaking of bread and through opening their minds to understand the scriptures. So I just want to read uh, about three verses from Luke 24 uh, to just refresh us and hear the word of God once more. So I'm going to read verse 27, then I'm going to jump and read verse 44 and 45. And so verse 27, this is Jesus speaking to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and it says, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And then verse 44, this is with uh, the larger 12 disciples. It says, now Jesus said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So I want to talk about the scripture tonight, and particularly how to engage with it in a holistic way uh, so that it can be uh, an instrument uh, through which the authority and the leadership of God uh, is exuded and, exer I guess, exerted over us in, in our lives, uh, and then also uh, how that will reveal Jesus to the church. And uh, when we're talking about uh, the, the authority of God, right, authority is what uh, we use to govern or to rule, right? So uh, any king has the authority and the right to exercise that over those he's leading uh, to bring about peace would be the goal of any leadership. And uh, God has authority, and he exercises it over his church and over his people, and he's desiring to bring uh, unity and peace to the earth. And... Uh, one of the issues in living in today's age, which is a postmodern America, 
uh, we, uh, as postmodern human beings, this is the spirit of the age, is uh, there is an underwriting skepticism to authority that is pervasive in all of culture. And uh, that is a backlash against the institutional uh, blunders of the age of modernity where we've seen institution after institution, uh, you know, make mistakes and basically authority was wielded in such a way that it was to serve uh, agendas that ended up being selfish and promised progress and had these ideals, but then in the end failed us. And we've seen across the spectrum of culture uh, institutional failures, uh, whether it's the political realm, whether it's media, whether it's government, whether it's uh, the institutional church, whatever it is, there's a general and underwriting current of skepticism as it pertains to the exercise of authority. Of authority. And that has a lot of implications on the culture that we're living in. We're seeing, uh, you know, an unprecedented shift in American politics because nobody really trusts the authority of the institution. We're seeing changes in media uh, where it's being driven more by this individualistic social media uh, climate where people are leery of, I don't know if the new, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories, which I don't know what I really think of them, but the news is changing everything, right? Because they're serving their agendas. And, but the reality is there's just a skepticism. And I'm not really going to get into uh, culture more because that's a big topic for another day. Uh, but particularly speaking to the church, uh, we, we, we inherit the same baggage when it comes to the church, which is there's a skepticism of authority. And generally speaking, you know, the, if you do the polls on, you know, kind of the institutional church and denominational church, they're just not very popular. I don't know why, like, denominations are less popular than non-denominations, but uh, they're still denominations. Like, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. People will be like, oh, no, we're non-denominational, but we just have a denomination with other non-denominational churches. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know if that's fixing the problem. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm only making fun, so obviously we are non-denominational. But uh, the reality is there's a skepticism of authority. Can I really trust that leadership? Can I really trust that leader? Can I really trust, you know, that institution? And the more things uh, grow in power, there is a more general uh, skepticism. And it is created, amongst other things, but it has created this very individual, individualized spirituality which is I have my relationship with God, right? And I may be a part of a church, but there's still a sense where it's me and Jesus. And that's kind of uh, very pervasive within uh, American Christianity. And uh, where that most manifests, this individualized spirituality, as, is as it pertains to my reception or, uh, you know, our reception of divine revelation. And what I mean by that is just how we hear from God. And that is not a charismatic thing. That is really across the board. Some, in some, you know, streams Christianity, that's through the word of God. Through some streams, that's through, you know, different uh, spiritual practices. It could be through communion. It could be whatever it is. But we all have a way through which we try to receive guidance for our lives, right? We are all very deeply and intrinsically searching for a divine connection, some sort 
sort of, of prompting and leadership from God. We want his authority expressed in our lives in the sense of knowing that God's going to bless what we do. And in American postmodern Christianity, uh, this individualized you know, spirituality, me and Jesus, most manifest in what I hear from God is between me and God, and you don't have access to that. Does that make sense to you? Right, so I meet with people a lot, and uh, I mean, I, I, I've heard stories where there's people that they heard from God, and they don't even invite their spouse into that discernment process necessarily. It's this, I heard from God, this is between me and God, and, you know, he, it's, all, it's all in discernment. I've literally had to ask people. People will come to me, and I think they're wanting me to speak into helping them discern, but how they word it, I literally go, well, do you want me to help you discern, or do you already have it figured out what God has said? It's like, well, I guess that you ask. Yeah, help me. But like the natural thing, it's communicated in, well, God told me da-da-da-da-da-da, right? So we have a hard time in, because we are leery of authority. So there's this sense of, well, I'm going to backlash that, and I'm going to live as my own authority. Right? But the problem with that is that's not biblical Christianity. Right? Jesus marvels at the centurion's faith because he recognizes, like himself, as a centurion within the Roman guard, he was under an, uh, an officer, and so therefore uh, he had authority within that structure to command those underneath him to do what he asked them to do. He recognizes Jesus as a man under authority, and Jesus marvels at his faith. Right? And Jesus was a man under the authority of the Father. He said, I can't do anything, but I see the Father doing. He emptied himself and was submitted to the will of the Father. And so the, the, the conflict that we face today as it comes to approaching the Scriptures is that the authority of God is expressed in these Scriptures. It's been given as the, the governmental charter of the church this is the, the, the scripture, the teaching of the apostles, the life of Jesus. It's the proven, bona fide gospel message that has borne fruit and transformed the world. And God has given this to us as a charter, as a place where he has deposited his authority, his leadership, his governance into the life of the church of Jesus Christ. And we're to come under the authority of scripture, but... Uh, we live in the postmodern age where there's a backlash to authority, and we know, we've seen how Scripture has been abused to support uh, these, these movements that brought a lot of damage, right? So you can get on the website of the Ku Klux Klan and find a very scriptural ideology that they have that justifies what they're doing. Right? The institution of slavery was very much upheld through picking pieces of scripture to create a theology and ideology that would do that. Does this make sense? Right? So there's this backlash. Well, the scripture's been used, the authority of scripture's been used to justify these, these poor and destructive things. So what kind of authority does it actually have? You following me? Right? So there's a dilemma as it comes to today, is how do we engage with the authority of Scripture as the Word of God in a postmodern world that we are living in and wanting to evangelize? So uh, that's one dilemma. I'm going to complicate it with one more uh, layer, which is that you know, in this uh, you know this Pentecostal movement, which I say with like a 
kind of overarching, which would be kind of anything that's been influenced from the 1906 outpouring that happened simultaneously in India and it also happened in Azusa Street, uh, which has birthed this uh, 700 million people uh, movement marked by the charismata um, being expressed, right? It's actually the biggest, uh, the fastest growing religious movement in the history of the world. Uh, if you do the math, it's something ridiculous uh, for each day. Um, and that actually encompasses the Catholic Church, it encompasses the Evangelical Church, it encompasses all types of denominations, um, it, but just, but it roots to a movement of the Spirit of God and it, fresh expressions of the charismata. And, and in this movement, you now have a dilemma where there's a lot of emphasis put around uh, like a prophetic culture of hearing from God through the Holy Spirit. Right, and I imagine if you can just raise your hand if you have a powerful experience that you would describe as some sort of prophetic experience where you heard the voice of God, whether for yourself or someone speaking to you. Just, just raise your hand. Right, okay, so this is a common occurrence in the day and age that we're living in. But the, the, the next kind of layer of, of, of difficulty that we have is then we have the question is, well, we know that there's the authority in the Scripture, but then there's also... How do, how do, is there authority in these experiences? How, how do scripture and experience go together as it pertains to God speaking to me? Right? And we don't think, I'm, I'm just trying to pull out thoughts to hopefully you'll relate to this. Maybe you don't think about this a lot. This is the kind of stuff I think about. Right? So the, the, it, it just creates this nether separation that, that then, you know, we talked about there's a silent divorce in the church between the word and the spirit. Right, so now there's this skepticism around the word, which is the spirit of the age. And then there's this dilemma where there's been this pressure to, you know, are you part of the spirit and are you having experiences with the voice of God? Or are you in the word camp where it's all about the word of God? And uh, I believe God wants us to be a word and spirit church. I believe he wants every church to be a word and spirit church. Right, so that's, that's one issue that needs to be addressed. And then we have to figure out how do we relate to Scripture in itself as, as an authority piece. Right? So I'm going to attempt to uh, navigate both of these things and then actually kind of project where I think we're going to be uh, traveling together over the next couple months as it pertains to coming into an understanding. I believe Jesus wants to open our minds to understand the Scripture in ways that we have not yet because uh, it's so vitally necessary that he's wanting to train us to come under his authority so we can see the real Jesus. Is that good for an introduction? Okay, awesome. So the, the question to, to first navigate in this silent divorce between the word and the spirit is where does the authority lie? Does there, is there authority in scripture? Is there authority in experience? And, and, and if so, how much? And at a superficial level, most Christians will always answer and say, well, the ultimate authority is the word of God. Right? And, and normally what we would come up with is something like, well, that's the objective revelation of God. And any prophetic experience I have, that's a subjective experience. And I, I would say ultimately there, there's truth in that, but it's a little superficial because, as I already noted, we actually come to the Bible with our own biases. It's actually a myth to think that we read this objectively. We read it in our own culture, our own context, with our own life experiences, our own hurts, our own woundings. We, we, we have glasses on when it comes to how we perceive and interpret 
the scripture. So though it in itself is, is it's an other than us, it's an, an objective book that has the same words, most people have the same book collection in there, uh, there is a subjectivity that we can bring to the scripture. So it's not just that the authority rests in scripture because it's objective, but the authority rests in scripture above experience because the scriptures, like I said already, are the bona fide, proven gospel of God and the teaching of the apostles that transformed the Mediterranean world. Right? We don't have to question if, if there's life in it. These are words that have resurrection power within them and have been spoken from God and actually contain. Right? The preaching of the apostles turned the world upside down, and this is the written collection of them. Right? This is their theology. This is their understanding. This is their ecclesiology, their, their understanding of how the church was to work. And these words have proven power within them. Right? And many scholars now believe there's been this uh, kind of movement to say, you know, they were just writing and they didn't really know that they were writing scripture. But uh, through some of the words of Paul, there's act that they had uh, of, of academic kind of information scholarship around the fact that they knew they were writing scripture. They, 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 they knew that there was an authority that God had rested upon them for a unique calling to create this beautiful gift of Scripture that was the collection corporately together, the faith that was once and for all time handed down to the saints. Right, so this is this beautiful gift that God has given that is, doesn't belong to any humans. Right, it's divinely inspired it was created by God. Yes, it was formed through human writing. It was formed through human minds in human context. But this is a gift from God that the church doesn't own. Right? No man has this. It's, it's actually communal in its very essence. It's a, it's a creation that, that, that almost as if, you know, how God came and impregnated Mary and birthed Jesus. God came into the church and he impregnated the church and we birthed this Bible. And though it's very, very human, it's also divine, right? And there's inspiration to be gleaned from it. And so there is an authority on Scripture that is above any subjective experience that we have. And uh, I want to read a quote. This is by N.T. Wright, who's a theologian many of you may have heard of. He's, he's a profound mind. And he says that if experience is itself a source of authority— we can no longer be addressed by a word which comes from beyond ourselves. I'm going to say it one more time because I think this has profound implications for us. If experience is itself a source of authority, we can no longer be addressed by a word which comes from beyond ourselves. Right, so I want you to, to think about this. If we're to be a people that come under authority, we're actually coming under the authority of someone else. Right? In, in, in New Covenant prophetic culture, right, which is where we're Christians, anointed ones, right, Old Covenant, not everyone was anointed, just the kings, the priests, the prophets. New Covenant, we're all anointed. We have the Spirit living inside of our hearts. Jesus lives inside of our hearts. So in the Old Covenant, if you read a lot of the prophetic literature, it's like Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Daniel, I had a vision. I felt like a dead man, right? There's these, what I would call receptive prophetic encounters, which is where the other God or a messenger or an angel came and would speak to them, right? It was this other experience, right? 
the the covenant shift being a new covenant people with the spirit living inside of us has come yes i still hear stories today where people will have in the body jesus comes to them and speaks to them i think we can still have receptive encounters but the primary way that god speaks to us is through the still small whisper within our hearts because jesus lives within our hearts right which means if most of my, my prophetic experiences where I believe that I'm receiving divine revelation are perceptive encounters where I'm perceiving Christ speaking, Christ in me speaking, that's a purely subjective experience. Does this make sense? Right? And what N.T. Wright's saying is, is if that experience has authority on it in the sense of within its own right, I can draw authority that this is the, the outside of, of scripture, then I'm actually just training myself. I, I, I'm not training myself to actually come under the authority of another, right? Because it's all contained within me. And then I can start creating a, my own self-contained theology, my own self-contained ideologies, my own self-contained justifications where you say, how does someone in the KKK get those ideas? Are you following me? Right? I have this self-contained thing where, where God is wanting to bring us under authority. Uh, under the authority of something, of a word that comes from beyond ourselves. Right? And that is why the word of God is so vital to the church is that the word, when we learn to approach it in a holistic way, it's actually training us to come under the authority of a word that becomes from somewhere beyond us. Right? Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful above all things, which means we are prone to self-deception. So when we start living in an individualized spirituality where, where I receive from God's between me and God, I'm actually prone to self-deception where I can start justifying just about anything I want. And I can pick and pull a few little scriptures here and there, but I have my own little ecosystem here that belongs to me that I'm actually the authority of. Right? So I believe as new covenant believers, if we're to be a healthy prophetic people, we don't have permission to just live where my authority, no, it's not about the word of God. It's about what I hear from God. I have prophetic experiences all the time. I have dreams. I have visions. I hear from him all the time. If we are not rooted and grounded in the whole narrative of scripture and actually trained to come under the authority of a word that is beyond me, I'm coming under the authority of the word that divine oracles of God, I'm actually at a jeopardized and vulnerable place. So a lot of people say, oh, no, the authority's on the word of God, but in reality, they don't read it very much. They don't know it. They don't understand it. They don't know the story. They don't know how to read the Old Testament versus the New Testament. They don't know how to read the Psalms versus the epistles. Right? These are different books. And the reality is if we're, not, if we're not rooted and grounded a people of the word, we're very vulnerable. We, the scripture is the, where the authority rests. And even these subjective, these perceptive encounters are actually, they only find authority when they're flowing from the narrative and, and the whole counsel and wisdom of scripture. That, so even those experiences, that's what he's saying. Experience doesn't have authority outside of the word of God. So I believe if we're to take seriously being a prophetic culture, which we are, 
We are seeking this unashamedly. I believe it is vital that we have a living, vibrant connection to the voice of Jesus, who is the shepherd of our souls, who lives within our hearts. We must know his voice. We bless, I bless perceptive encounters, but we are not going to be able to live in purity and be able to glean the inspiration of what God is wanting to say unless we are rooted and grounded in the word of God. And this is the authority under which we have submitted our lives. Okay? Are you with me? You're real quiet. So there is a, a paradox in the New Covenant, in the New Testament governance of the church, which is all God's people are anointed. Right? We all have the ability to hear the voice of Jesus because he lives inside of us. My sheep follow me because they know my word. No, that's not what it says. My sheep follow me. Because they know my voice. Because they know my voice. But the paradox is, if everyone's just living in their own place where I have my subjective encounters and my perceptive, you know, with Jesus, and everyone's just living in their own subjective ecosystem, do you know what that's called? What? Anarchy. That's called anarchy. Right? But God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of chaos. He is a God of shalom. It is well. He looked upon his creation and it was good. He brings order. God has an authority that he exercises and he ex exercises that through scripture. But it's not just through scripture in a devotional sense. It is scripture in, in, in a holistic engagement with the word of God. And so I want to talk about what this holistic engagement looks like. Because what some of you may relate to this. My upbringing in the church taught me to engage with scripture primarily in one way, which was as a devotional tool. All right, so I would basically, if I could sum it down, my theology of the scripture was I would come to read the Bibles. I knew I was supposed to read the Bible, read all the different books, especially the Gospels, especially the New Testament. But Psalms are good, too. I forget what I was told. But read the books of the Bible and hope that you're going to receive. God's going to speak personally to me and edify me and encourage me and perhaps even convict me and correct me and guide me in my life. Does anybody relate with that? Right? The Bible was the, the, the epitome of the devotional tool where God was going to speak to me, Jordan, personally. And that is not wrong in any ways. That's actually uh, very necessary and vital to a healthy spiritual life. But it's very incomplete uh, because it lacks uh, uh, an equipping to understand scripture as a whole. And, and, and so that was kind of my conservative upbringing. And if you flip to the other polarity, there's the liberal camp, which people, you know, the bad liberals is kind of how the connotation of that is in the, in the you know, there's, in there's people fire arrows back and forth. And the liberal understanding of scripture, uh, which would be more of an overemphasis on the, the human side of the Bible, fundamentally asks the question of, well, how much authority does the Bible actually have today? 
It's an old book from an old culture, and what does it actually mean today? And so the, it's liberal because it, it opens up one, you know, how much authority does the Bible actually have in its current sense. So the, the conservative, kind of my conservative upbringing was like, you just read it. This is the Word of God, and He is going to speak to you. So I'm just reading to let God speak to me. I don't really care about the context of the the stuff I'm just reading, and then the flip side is the liberal, which is, you know, kind of this over intellect, you know, very intellectual, looking at it all and kind of piecing it away and kind of uh, piecemealing it together, and that's way, way, way oversimplified, but um, I'm trying to make the point is this overemphasizes the human side of the Bible, this overemphasizes the divine side of the Bible, and the reality is we need an incarnational reading of the Bible. Just like we need an incarnational Jesus, he's given us an incarnational word that is the word of God inspired from the mouth of God, but also communicated, written, and expressed through human beings. In, the, in culture, in, in their unique context, in Ephesus, in the Philippian church, in Israel. Right? This isn't, it wasn't written in a vacuum. God wasn't just thundering in a vacuum. This was speaking into the nuances of human culture. So we need to be able to have an incarnational reading, which I would suggest is a contextualized reading of the Bible. Right? We have to be able to see uh, what was God speaking, the inspiration of God that he was speaking into this time and space. And I believe that the more we can get in, in, into the context of what God was speaking within the, the, the human circumstances, we will glean a more pure understanding of what this Bible meant, right? And this is what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. He came and he explained the law of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets, and he was showing them the context of the whole narrative, explaining himself, opening their minds to understand what the scriptures actually meant. Right? And I believe that God is wanting to open our minds in a similar way to have an incarnational reading of the scriptures so that we can recognize the incarnational Jesus at work in our lives and through our lives. And N.T. Wright, uh, he, he, he talks about the Bible as a five-play act. And I love his thoughts surrounding the scriptures. And I, I think I'm going to be drawing from him the first act of the next month because we're going to uh, explore these five acts. And the first act is creation. The second act is the fall. The third act is Israel. The fourth act is Jesus. And the fifth act is the church. And we are actors in the fifth act of this play of God on earth. And the reality is that in each one of these acts, uh, you, you can't, you know, and he says you can't read uh, Genesis and the creation account as if you were living in the creation account because you're in the fifth act of the play. Right? You can't read, uh, you know, the story of Israel as if you were living in Israel. You have to read it as, as an actor in the fifth act of the play. As, as the church, right? So what that means is that we can't read Luke the same way that we read the Psalms, the same way that we read Deuteronomy, right? That there's different, there's different genres. There's different, there's different uh, purposes and methods through which these writers are communicating the same inspiration of God, right? And, and so it is both genre, it's both story, it's both narrative and divine speech, 
and means we have to engage this in a way that is both intellectual, right? The mind, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And part of the dichotomies that we've had in the church, it's like, well, the word camp, they're the over-intellectual academic, and don't get too much there because it's going to suck your faith dry. Well, no. <laughs> Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. Right? These minds are brilliant. They're beautiful. We can comprehend things. We can learn things. Oh, my gosh. Right? And love him with all your heart soul, the spiritual. There has to be a fusing of both, right? It's not enough to just say, yeah, we're going to be a spirit word church and then say, yeah, but we're never going to study the Bible. <laughs> I thought the Holy Spirit was going to do that for me. You know, no, it's, it's both and. We've got to be open to the spiritual, open to the prophetic. I, wanna, I want him to speak to me. I want dreams and visions, but I'm going to be diligent to root myself in the word of God. So there's, there's sub-genres to all of this, and, and I, we're going to journey on some of this. And, and my, my, my goal is not to make us a bunch of academics and intellectuals, but it is to equip us to come into a deep knowledge of the whole narrative that God is writing through this book. Right, because uh, N.T. Wright goes on to explain, he, he says, in, in his opinion, that we are improv actors in the fifth play, or in the fifth act of the play of God. And I love this because improvisation is not just a willy-nilly thing. Good improv, you don't just get up and do whatever the heck you want, right? To be a good improv actor, an improv musician, you have to study and know everything that went into, you know, the themes and the melodies and the sounds and, you know, the, all the, the uh, there's like, I'm blanking on the word, but there's like the music science, music theory that goes into all of it. And you have to understand all all of that to be able to step in and then start improving in a way that is faithful to what's gone before and then a fresh expression of what hasn't yet taken place, right? And so N.T. Wright says this. I love this quote. It says, uh, this is in his book on the authority of God in Scripture. He says, we read Scripture in order to be refreshed in our memory and understanding of the story within which we ourselves are actors, to be reminded where it has come from and where it is going to, and hence what our own part within it ought to be. We're improv actors. We're, as, as we become rooted in the story of God over generations and millennia, we, we become aware, we're grounded, not just in a few scriptures or what the Bible says, but the whole narrative. We see Israel as the context through which Jesus could be crowned and revealed, and then Jesus births the church, and then we see the, 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 the founding teachings of the apostles through which we find our identity and then we knowing all of this being rooted in all of this we're then poised to enter into these prophetic improvisations these these fresh expressions that are new God's doing a new thing but it is faithful to the faith that was once and for all time hounded down to the saints 
We're not just doing our new thing here. Hey, we're River House. We're going to just do it different. No, no. We are part of a beautiful drama that has been going on. And it is the word of God is the only thing that can tell us if what we're doing is, 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 has the authority and the blessing of heaven. Right? We, we have to be a people rooted and grounded in the word. If we are to be a prophetic people with a purity and a holiness and, and, a, and a health and longevity to a prophetic movement, we must be rooted in the word of God. It's not just like, oh, I study it and I have devotional. We actually need to understand it. We need to grasp it. We need to see the story so that we can engage with it in a healthy way. Right? The world doesn't need to know just what the Bible has to say. It needs Christians that are so aware of the rhythms and the movements and the story and the plot and the dramas and the, and the triumphs of the church that we can then apply it to the fresh context and dilemmas and problems that we're facing today in this postmodern 21st century. Right? But we have to grasp it. And I believe that that's what God, uh, we're going to go on a journey of, of grasping and looking at the different nuances in the saga of this five-act play and coming to understand it and, and, and then uh, learning to get contextualized and getting into the scriptures. So I'm excited. Uh, I feel like I'm on the verge of a new adventure, honestly, even for me, into the Word of God and into a real Jesus. And so, in, because He is the Word, made flesh. And so, any, the, our study is not just to get us smart. It's to lead us into His heart. It's to lead us into a fresh, new knowing of this man, Jesus, that's alive. Amen? You know, practical, I just feel like sharing this. If you, there's, there's a Crossway Study Bible that, that I've uh, gleaned. It has a lot of uh, just aspects and, and treasures that I think it reveals with some commentaries and context for the books. And uh, that'd be a great place to start uh, if you, if you uh, would be interested in getting a new Bible that kind of opens some, uh, has just some practical knowledge. Um, but we're going to go and, and look at these five acts. And I just uh, would ask that you come with an open mind and allow God to challenge you and perhaps bring a fresh perspective on how to engage with this beautiful gift of the scriptures. Uh, it's the word of God, and it is a treasure that we are going to mine and discover in new ways. So uh, you can stand up. I'm going to pray, and then we will close tonight. Jesus, we thank you for the scriptures. God, we thank you that we are living uh, in the wake of this beautiful gospel. God, this tried, true, and uh, authenticated message that has the power to transform the world. We thank you that we have access to the life of Jesus. In the pages of this book, God, we thank you, Lord, that in the mystery, as only you can, You've just hidden yourself and deposited your authority within this beautiful book, God, these sacred writings that have the authority not just to guide us, God, but to transform us from the inside out and then use us to be vessels of your kingdom and breaking into the earth. 
God, I thank you that you are opening the minds of this community to understand your scriptures in fresh ways, God, and that as you called us as a prophetic community, God, a community of improv actors and creatives, God, that are poised to go out and continue uh, this this play of God in the earth, God. We want to be equipped to do faithful and fresh expressions of this church, God. We want to express your kingdom in ways that are faithful to the teaching of the apostles, God, to the, to the, to the faith that has once and for all time been handed down to us. And we want to steward this faith well. God, we want to be a word and spirit church, and we know we're not going to drift into that. So just continue discipling us into a community that loves you, God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for the edification that you're accomplishing within this body, God. And we give you praise in advance for all that you've, uh, all you've done and all you've yet to do. We love you and we bless your holy name tonight, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.